You're listening to Decoding Healthcare Innovation with Carrie Nixon and Rebecca Gwilt, a podcast for novel and disruptive business leaders seeking to transform how we receive and experience healthcare. Welcome back to Decoding Healthcare Innovation. Today, I am joined by Liz Powell, founder and president of G2G Consulting. Hi, Liz. How are you? Hi, good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Are you ready? I am. Okay. So Liz has over 20 years of experience as, um, uh, you know, working in policy and Capitol, Capitol Hill as both an attorney and a lobbyist. Um, she started G2G in 2007. And since then, they have um, notably raised more than $400 million in non-dilutive funding for their clients, many of whom are in the healthcare innovation space. Um, they also help shape regulations and healthcare policies, organize advocacy campaigns. Um, Liz is a powerhouse JD with an MPH from Harvard, and she helped launch the Women's Health Innovation Coalition in 2020, uh, which I've been a member of for a while, um, and I'm going to make her talk about that a little bit later in the show. Um, I asked her to come join me to talk about a few things I'm not sure digital health companies have on their radar. I know this because I work with a number of them, and um, they're always surprised to hear it when I bring it up, and, and no one better than Liz to talk about it. Um, these things can be absolutely transformative for these companies' success, uh, and that is raising non-dilutive funding and also uh, you know, having a policy and government strategy. Even as an early-stage company, this can be a super powerful tool to have in your, in your tool belt. Um, so, so, um, I know these are topics that are, um, that are sort of a core part of what Liz does on a day-to-day -day basis. And I'm, I'm super lucky to have her uh, with me today, but, and, and before we dive into the sort of substance on this, I'd love Liz for you to share a bit about your journey. Um, I like to think that, uh, if we can demystify how successful people, especially successful, uh, women have chartered their path, we can, uh, create opportunity for the next great successes. So, so tell me a little bit more about, about you. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. Sure. Um, so I actually discovered a lot of health issues that concerned me when I was in college and then, um, realized government is the one that's determining so many of these, uh, decisions, setting policies, funding levels, all kinds of things that are impacting health. So right out of college, I went to DC, thought I could, uh, change the world by working with government, still working on that one. Um, and, and I worked my way up on Capitol Hill and did a lot of little, uh, interesting policy work. Um, and it really spanned far beyond health. I actually did defense, armed services work, small business committee work. Um, so really interesting exposure. And I then got my law degree and my master's in public health, did a couple interesting things like a year in London working on the health committee. Uh, and then um, I started doing some consulting and realized that the more I talked with entrepreneurs, as well as nonprofits who were doing great things, but did not know how to navigate government, I saw an opportunity and I thought I could be that bridge. And so I started G2G, which stands for government to growth. So we're all about growth. And uh, we work with a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of startups, a lot of growing companies. And then we work with some nonprofits, all great causes, all working to make a difference. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's amazing how many people come um, and have these conversations with me here and elsewhere that started with their own sort of health journey. And something that I love about being in this industry is because of that deep personal connection to something that's sort of common to us all, um, it tends to be a very 
um, po positive industry. You know, it tends to be very um, forward looking and, you know, really focused on, on um, health and happiness. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you're going to be a lawyer, if you're going to be a lobbyist, <laughs> um, you know, I, I find that having, you know, being able to put my energy behind something that I find to be positive and helpful for the world is, is gratifying. Sounds like you do too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So Liz, I know you don't, uh, I know, you know, you mentioned defense. I know you work in the tech sector. I know you do a number of things. You're multi-talented. Uh, you don't only work in the healthcare innovation space, but that's my favorite topic and I'm in charge of the show. So that's what we're going to focus on today. Uh, and, uh, and so first, uh, it's been my experience, especially in the last few years, that innovation is moving just a skosh faster than law and policy. Would you agree? <laughs> yeah, more than a skosh, but yes. Yeah. So, so I guess my question for you is, what do innovators do with that? Um, you know, they're, they're, they're fulfilling their mission. They're trying to create business models that will bring their innovations into the world. Um, you know, what do they do? Can they actually influence policy in a meaningful way to open up a market for them or to open up opportunities for them? Or do they need to be Walmart or Siemens to have that kind of influence? Such a great question, because I think that's a big myth that they that a lot of people think they have to be one of those large companies and that they're too early to engage in government, which is not true. Um, I think all sizes of businesses are of interest to Congress. Um, and in fact, there's a lot of members who are really interested in small businesses. They want to help entrepreneurs and small businesses get off the ground, grow, because that means jobs. And they're all about jobs back home. So um, I think that there's a lot of support systems. There's a whole small business innovation research program just for small businesses. There are entrepreneurial assistance programs also run out of the Small Business Administration. Um, and then within the different agencies, so Department of Defense has a huge small business uh, program and um, opportunity grant opportunities. Um, obviously, NIH has the, the SBIR program as well, NSF. Um, Department of Energy. I mean, a lot of people don't think of Department of Energy, but they've got those supercomputers, which is really key for a lot of digital health folks. So there's lots of different resources across government, um, whether you're talking about Congress or the federal agencies for small businesses, for entrepreneurs, for startups. Yeah, and I and I and I want to dive into that. I, I wish I knew a lot more about sort of the funding opportunities, um, uh, especially in the agencies, and and we're going to dive into that before we get to sort of the the money part, um, help me understand how healthcare innovation, innovators should think about a policy strategy. Um, so for instance, you know, a lot of my clients, um, they're focused on um, uh, 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 reimbursement strategy, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and their ability to get their innovation or their process or their system or their company uh, positioned for reimbursement is really key to their ability to grow, but there's a lot more um, out there than reimbursement from a policy perspective. What, what, what are you seeing companies, uh, how are you seeing companies sort of create a policy strategy? Yeah. So I think it's really important to think about what you're trying to get out of government, sort of what are your biggest challenges, biggest opportunities, and then turn that into a strategy. So if you're looking for funding, um, you want to think about if you're in the health space, obviously NIH is a good source, but it's not the only source. And even within NIH, a lot of people forget NCATS, which is all about platform technologies that can be used across several different um, spaces of health uh, research. So 
beyond that, there's Department of Defense. They've got broad agency announcements. They've got program announcements. There's a special congressionally directed military research program. Um, NSF has this new pitch platform that makes it much easier, faster to get an answer. Back to DOD, there's DARPA, there's AppWorks. Then there are these consortiums that have sort of sprung out of government, like MTech, MCDC, Army. Like there's so many opportunities, rich opportunities. But you have to start with what your needs are. You have to know well, these are the barriers, these are the challenges I, that I'm facing with my business in order to figure out where to go after targets. Um, most people we work with, they want funding. So we're all about where's the funding, what's the best way to get funding. But there's other things too, like CMS reimbursement. There's other regulatory changes, like the effort to close that gap between FDA approval and CMS reimbursement. That's another big one. So there's regulatory policy funding. There's all kinds of opportunities to shape the process. And I'll tell you the number one person to start with is your own member of Congress. They are literally there for you. They are paid by you to be there. So I think that's a really good starting point. And a lot of those offices can really help you navigate those different targets to go after. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because, you know, I was sort of thinking like tactically, like where do these folks start? I mean, certainly there are experts like you who sort of know how to navigate across government resources, but some of these companies are are super small, one man, two man, or one woman, two woman shops. And, um, and so, so I'm glad, I'm glad you said that because I, I'm, I'm absolutely a big fan of this, not just in terms of business policy, but, um, but you know, policies that matter to you and your family and your community, you know, starting with your local representative um, is super key. I've always been met with um, a, an open ear, um, but these folks have a lot of priorities that they're that they're dealing with. So what's what's sort of the next step for someone who's already um, gone to their local representative? What does it look like next? Well, I think it's really important to remember that you're a specialist and you know your field really well. And they do not, usually. Um, there's very few scientists in Congress, definitely the staff, very few there. So you want to make sure that you start off by educating and you make it super simple. What I say is eighth grade level or easier um, to understand. And you want it to be succinct. They don't need to get into the weeds about how your product works or your technology functions. It's more, um, there's a problem out there that few are able to address. And then you've got this unique solution. And if you can partner with the government, get a million dollars, you can provide this result. Just really simple way of communicating, I'd say, is number number one, um, far above anything else. Then number two is you want to stay in touch. And you don't want to stay in touch in an annoying way, as in every day or even weekly. But every few weeks, every few months, you do want to make sure that you are a resource for them, that you're not there with your hand held out, but you actually want to be a resource for your field of business, for your field of health, whatever area you're working in, um, so that it's like a two-way street and it's not just um, you're looking for funding or what have you from that office. So I think those first two things are really, really important. And then third, you want to start tracking opportunities. And there are general tracking like grants.gov. However, it can be very frustrating when you're looking for funding and you type in a few words and then you get a thousand responses. So we at G2G have a more focused way of doing those searches. Um, but I think number one is remember that you've got to start with education. Number two, staying in touch. And number three, finding a way to track those opportunities. I think those would be my first three tips for people who are trying to engage in the process. 
That's super helpful. And, and I, and I guess, you know, I, I don't want to jump ahead, but I know that you, um, you're very involved in the women's health innovation coalition and that, and coalitions, um, in my experience have also been a really great way to join with other folks who's, who are operating in the same space to try to sort of leverage, uh, you know, leverage a larger group to, to make change. What are you, I mean, what are you, I'm just interested, like, what are you working on there? What have you been able to accomplish? What, what are you seeing as sort of the benefit of that coalition? Yeah. So the Women's Health Innovation Coalition is really distinctive um, because there are other coalitions out there, obviously on women's health, but for our coalition, it is not just the patient advocates who are very, very important, not just clinicians, not just lobbyists. It's sort of a whole bunch of people in that ecosystem. In addition, investors, um, researchers, inventors, clinicians, um, advocates. It's sort of all the people that are coming together um, and definitely entrepreneurs and those who are leading these companies. And so that's why we call it the Women's Health Innovation Coalition, because the focus is really that innovation space. And um, what we've been able to do is to categorize eight different categories in which a woman's health or condition or a health or condition disproportionately, solely or differently impacts women. And so everything from autoimmune disease, where 80% of the patients are women, to Alzheimer's, where again, three-fourths of the patients are women, and yet 90% of the caretakers are women. So there's like a double whammy with that one. Um, you've got certain gynecological cancers, like ovarian cancer. One in two women diagnosed die. That is an extremely high rate of mortality for a cancer. Um, so cardiovascular disease, um, aging, bone health, like there's so many different categories. And then there's the larger one of adverse drug events where drugs have traditionally in our clinical trials been tested on mostly white males. And so we have found that they are twice as common adverse drug events among women because they just weren't being studied. And there's even different impacts across race and ethnicity. And so we have to do a much better job with our diversity and clinical trials that will help everyone. Um, but especially uh, women and minorities. So anyway, so that's sort of a little bit more um, that what's behind the coalition. Um, we're doing all kinds of efforts to educate, just like I advise, advise all of you to start with education. And then we find and track the policies that we want to influence. And then we provide very um, easy to understand communications with key offices that are shaping those policies. And we just did a congressional briefing last month that was um, very well attended addressing some of these issues. So there's a lot going on with Coalition. I hope you'll check it out. It's womens.health is the website. Yeah, I, I have I have been really impressed by the, um, the sort of proactive uh, involvement of the members of the Coalition. Um, you and your team have obviously done a, a, a phenomenal job. Um, and I absolutely encourage um, folks out there to go check out the, the coalition and how they can sort of bring their special skills to bear. Um, one question I do have, uh, Liz, is about sort of the research component of, of the Innovation Coalition. I think, um, I think a lot of my clients sort of underestimate the impact that uh, research can have on policymakers, uh, when when sort of uh, when you're asking for them to make a change or make an investment, um, I'd love to hear your your thoughts on that. 
Oh, absolutely. Research is what um, is the starting point for influencing policy. They want to know that it's data-based, evidence-based um, before they're willing to implement a new policy, fund a new program. Um, and so, you know, having those some of those stats I was just sharing with you about the differential impact on women has been really powerful in winning over members of Congress on the need to increase diversity in clinical trials, on the need to increase NIH spending on uh, research and impacting women's health, which is only at 11%, by the way, right now. Very, very low. Um, so I think research in- 11%. Yeah, very low. <laughs> yeah. So, so yes, your research matters. It absolutely matters. However, it can't be, you know, way up here on the rooftops. It's got to be down at a level that non-scientists can understand. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. Join the Women's Health Innovation Coalition. Let's get that percentage up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, okay. So I want to circle back to, to the money stuff. Um, that's a technical term. So um, a great number of folks in the innovation space are uh, raising private, private money, uh, raising equity. And uh, we saw just an absolute explosion of that over the past two years, especially in healthcare and telehealth space, and digital health space, and mental health care space. And, um, you know, I'm hearing here and there that there's starting to be sort of a, an equity funding slowdown post-pandemic, which we, we um, you know, we had to expect. Um, but that seems like it creates more uh, urgency around finding other, um, you know, other forms of funding. And um, I know that this is sort of your specialty. So for the companies out there who are listening and thinking like, hey, I, either I didn't even know that was an option or B, like I knew it was an option, but I wasn't sure if it was for me. Talk to me a little bit about what kinds of companies are accessing this funding and what the process to, to obtain it looks like and maybe where it's hiding. Yeah, all good questions. So I'll tell you, um, I've worked with almost 200 different folks at this point, um, directly and hundreds more indirectly. And, you know, like one of my, um, best case studies is a guy who was basically him and a part-time employee spun out technology, um, in regenerative medicine out of a university and really didn't know where to go. And so I said, all right, here's some targeting. I think this department of defense is a really good fit for you. They're doing a lot in regenerative medicine. So we basically just laid out this path and followed it and it worked. And so I helped this entrepreneur, this leader of this company really grow it. Um, they started hiring dozens and dozens of more employees. As we got more research dollars coming in, we got four different pathways. So four different grants all coming in. Then we got even more. And then we sort of rose up to this point where we could go after a big BARDA contract um, that was yeah, yeah, seen one of those. a huge big cash. opportunity. <laughs> yeah. And so I think in the end they got 25 million, but they could have hit a hundred million if they hit benchmarks. And so, you know, there's always some challenges with some of the benchmarks that they put in there, but it was a great success story. The company grew to 80 some employees. They merged with another company. Now they're over 150 employees. And so it's a great story, I think, because it shows persistence over time and it shows that even if it's just one or two people, you can still get in. Um, you know, it's really, I think that especially DOD, but the other agencies too, they really just want 
the science, right? They, if that science has merit and that science will help them advance their own mission, they're going to want to fund you. So, um, and the other thing is they want to meet you. A lot of times they do not have ways to meet the best innovators. And so you shouldn't feel shy about developing new relationships cold. Yeah. I mean, I have been surprised to see a good number of sort of government agency folks at these innovation conferences, just trying to like learn more and shout from the rooftops, rooftops that they are supporting research and they're, you know, they're supporting companies that are building in the space. Um, and uh, so anyway, so I think the I think the work that you're doing and that they're doing is so super important. Um, I would love to close today with uh, some advice for from you for uh, our innovators uh, listening. What is one thing they can do today, this afternoon, uh, that will sort of jumpstart their success, um, having to do with sort of your your corner of the world? Well, that's a tough question. If there's only one thing, um, I might sneak in a few into my answer. So I think, um, as I said more. earlier. <laughs> Really understand what your needs are and get your messaging down and then track what's going on so you can fit into those opportunities. I would say those few little things are really key and you can do those. Um, everything's on the web these days. So there's an awful lot that you can research yourself. Um, G2Gconsulting.com, we've got good resources on our website. Um, but there is a lot that you can do on your own and, you know, work with your own member of Congress. They are there for you and they will guide you through at least some of the initial steps that you can take to access opportunities to help grow your business. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Liz, thank you so much for your time. Um, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Um, I will put in the show notes uh, links to G2G Consulting, links to the Women's Health Innovation Coalition, and any other um, gems that I sort of pull out of uh, watching this over today. Um, Liz, if you if you think of any other resources that would be helpful, please do send them over and I will okay. include them as well. Um, to anyone listening, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Decoding Healthcare Innovation and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, join us next time when we we'll be interviewing two colleagues of mine, Ashley Giovannini and Bethany Corbin about uh, some emerging threats to digital health connected device companies related to privacy and security. I try not to be very ho-hum, but um, they've been briefing me and I thought, <laughs> thought what they knew was um, important enough to share. Um, and uh, as always, you can check out all the links and resources in the show notes, find out more about our work with healthcare innovators at nixonwiltlaw.com. Um, and, uh, and Liz, thank you, thank you again. That's all for this episode and we will see you next time. Thank you.